0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I would invite you to take hold of the insert in your bulletin with the number eight at the top. If you are in need of questions one through seven, I have a copy of them with me up here too, and there's a couple in the office back there. Also... I would definitely encourage anyone who has not yet gotten hold of uh, the newest edition of our catechism to do that so that uh, you have that handy. It's a good reference and a good resource. Why can we be confident that the Bible is the authoritative and inerrant word of God? In the gospel, the central message of the gospel God promises us new life on the basis of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God's promises alone create faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, whom we trust, declares that all the scriptures are God's own words, completely dependable in all they teach and without error. Further, Jesus uses the Old Testament scriptures as God's word, He continually affirms scripture as authoritative with phrases such as, it is written and have you not read. He assures us that scripture cannot be broken. Jesus claims the same authority for himself, saying, for example, I say to you, or truly, truly, I say, or explicitly claiming his words to be spirit and life. Just as God called and authorized prophets in the Old Testament, Put his words in their mouths and filled their fulfilled their prophecies, so also Jesus called and authorized his apostolic witnesses to speak his word, guided by his spirit. We believe the word of God has the power in itself to convince the reader or hearer of its authority. Because it is God's word, it is self-authenticating. The word of God does what it says. And then question number nine. Do we use human reason then to understand the Bible? Yes, Yes, but human reason must be used within appropriate limits as a servant of the text to understand the Bible's meaning properly. The guidance of the Holy Spirit is essential. Please read section 8. Because scripture is given in human language to read and rightly understand what it says, We must humbly use human reason in such matters as context, grammar, and logic. And part B, because the Bible is God's word, and unlike all other books, is inspired and inerrant, it is wrong to use human reason to question or deny its truthfulness. The note at the bottom of that page reads, The fact that the Bible is written in human language does not imply fallibility or error. Here, the incarnation of Jesus guides our thinking. Jesus was true man without sin and true God. So also the Bible is truly human without error and truly divine. The very word of God in the words of man. For this reason, the Bible's truthfulness should not be questioned or denied, as happens, for example, with historical criticism. Number ten, what are the two great doctrines of the Bible? And what is the difference between the law and the gospel? What then is the small catechism? The Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer. Martin Luther helpfully included biblical passages on baptism, confession, and the Lord's Supper. The small catechism written by Luther in 1529 includes these texts along with brief explanations. This expanded explanation section is prepared as a teaching and learning tool. What are the central or chief parts of Christian teaching and life? These six parts of the catechism are the central teachings, or six chief parts of Christian doctrine. God makes known his will through the Ten Commandments, which summarize how God wants us to love him and love our neighbor and also reveal our sin and inability to keep God's law. The creed summarizes who God is and what he has done for the world, creating and preserving all things out of fatherly love, redeeming the world in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and calling and gathering believers into the church by the Holy Spirit. In the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father, God the Son teaches Christians how to pray as God's own dear children, confident that what we are praying pleases him and is for our good. Scripture teaches us that in holy baptism, we are cleansed from our sins and belong to the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whom we trust for life and salvation. As God's believing, baptized children, we still battle against sins of thought, word, and deed, but God graciously has given special authority to his church on earth to forgive the sins of the penitent and to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant. And God welcomes his children to the sacrament of the altar, where Christ gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink with the bread and wine for the forgiveness of sins and to strengthen our faith. What is confirmation? Confirmation is a public rite of the church preceded by a period of instruction in which baptized Christians learn about the confession, life, and mission of the Christian church. In today's texts, we hear about the word of the Lord. In these texts from Jeremiah and from Jesus in Luke's gospel, he speaks about the word of the Lord and its effects on the hearer. And for Jeremiah, this word of the Lord was being filled and surrounded by all kinds of noise. What do I mean by noise? A contrary prophetic words. As Jeremiah was trying to be so terribly clear about exactly what the Lord was doing with his people there in Jerusalem, as he was telling them to recognize that the time to repent had passed and that the armies of Babylon were going to come and that Jerusalem, the city, was going to be destroyed and that they were going to be carried off into exile and to prepare for this and to gather to themselves the word of the Lord so that they could endure those 70 years of exile until the temple was going to be rebuilt again to to get ready for this time, contrary words were being spoken. Oh, the Lord will retain peace in our land. We have the temple. God is surely with us. There will always be peace for us. Armies may gather around the sides of the walls, but no one is ever going to breach those walls because God lives here. That confidence, that confidence That idolatrous kind of confidence in such promises led people to imagine that, well, they could do whatever they wanted, and they could actually ignore God's word, and they could simply go about robbing and cheating people and doing all kinds of ills against their neighbor while they put on a show in church. And Jeremiah continued to bring to them the truth of the word to say, this judgment is coming, and it is not going to be turned aside. The Lord wants to bring this kind of chaos on you so that he can do a new thing with you. Just like he called the world out of darkness and out of the void, he's going to make of you a void, but he is going to recreate. He is going to bring a new remnant out. He is going to restore. He will not forget his promise to bring the Christ through your family. But so that you can be authentic proclaimers of the word of the Lord, your ears need to be retuned. And so this judgment is going to come. But as so often, I suppose, is the case with people in the world Words of peace and words of prosperity and words of rainbows and words of tulips growing in the fields carried the day rather than get ready for losing everything. Nobody really wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear what the cost of discipleship is going to mean for their generation. No one is going to want to hear that it is time to dig deep, even. Even if the armies aren't yet at the gates. The problem is, if you wait until the crisis comes to try to prepare for the crisis, it's too late, isn't it? If you try to wait to have the supplies ready for the earthquake until after the earthquake has already arrived, well, then you're already in trouble. Now you're running to your neighbor to try to hope that maybe they've stored up enough for you and that maybe they'll be kind enough to provide for you. I hate to go to things like zombie apocalypses but the idea of preparing for crisis is embedded in the word of the lord. This is why this is why we keep one eye fixed very very clearly on what is going on around us right now while we have one eye very much fixed on our Lord Jesus Christ and his enthroned work in heaven. This is why we gather around the word of the Lord now so that we have it in our minds and in our brains and and ready for use when we do not have it in our hands. and This is why we store it up in our hearts, not so that we can answer questions at the ten thousand dollar level on jeopardy but so that we can be comforted when we are blind and we have the our our own minds starting to drift away from us so that we are even unmoored from other aspects of reality but that the deep things of God his prayer his creed his confession of faith his own words, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. That these things would be so deeply embedded in the core of our being that they would not fail, but that they would comfort us in the midst of all other points of chaos, all other times of darkness. We don't ask children to memorize in order to be onerous to them. We ask them to memorize, so that when they are ministered to in the last days of their life, they have the Lord Jesus and the work of his Holy Spirit with them, so that their faith never departs. So that they can recite and know that the word of the Lord, the truth of his promises and the comfort of his word, that these things are eternal. Jeremiah had to cut through all of the noise, all of the garbage that was accumulating in the ears of his hearers. Jesus had to do the same. There were all kinds of expectations and all kinds of hopes and dreams for even what it might be that he was the Messiah. But he also knew what the truth would do. He also knew that the truth would separate people one from another. He also knew that as he spoke clearly what God was doing and what was happening, how the the seasons of his own ministry were unfolding, that his death and resurrection was going to be hard for some people to take, that it was going to be difficult for some people to imagine that one person could take the punishment of another, that not everybody was That was responsible for their own sins before God, but, but Jesus, in fact, was responsible for all of them and that he was taking the punishment of all of them, but that the sinner was truly free. That somehow this is wrong, that somehow this doesn't work, that somehow it must be otherwise. That these gifts of truth and gospel word and promise would actually turn people against one another. Can you imagine the Son of God speaking words intended to bring that kind of peace, the peace that goes all the way to the core of people's hearts, to lift the burden of death and sin and darkness and hell and the accusations of Satan, to finally bring Sabbath rest, and to from his own perspective be able to look out over all the centuries of history and see that there is going to be so much conflict because of what he is doing. That Jesus is Lord, that that proclamation would send people to the gallows, to send people to the, to the gladiatorial games, to turn them into torches around the, the amphitheaters and coliseums. That Jesus is Lord would bring such violence to those who simply wanted to patiently bring a word of the gospel to the nations. Oh, yes. And to be ready for such things. To be ready for that kind of unsettling time, those unsettling days. You never know when that's going to be because it comes on people unawares, doesn't it? It Comes on people without fair warning. For we have already been warned by our Lord to be ready. What does it mean to be ready? To put these promises in our hearts and in our minds, to cling to them, and to recognize that Jesus of Nazareth, that man, is on the throne of heaven, no matter what. Now, my circumstances and my situation in life and my time in this place in this world is far more comfortable than so many places around the world and yet all of life hangs right on the edge of a knife one thing can change after another so quickly and the proclamation of jesus that can be so welcome one day can be set aside on the next So when we come to Scripture and the the text of the Bible we have and the reliability and the joy that we have in this Scripture, this gift of God, the specific portion of what we read before that I'd like you to really meditate on is the relationship between Jesus at Christmas and this book that we have in our pews and in our, in our homes and in our pulpits. That God took on human flesh at Christmas. And that what we could say is right there in the manger is God. And as he himself is, the word of God made flesh dwelling there among us being present right there for us. Perfect man, perfect God. And so from that very truth, we know that it is not essential to what it means to be a human being, to be a sinner, to be fallible. Adam and Eve were absolutely human beings before they fell. And so the the old phrase, to err is human, is actually quite incorrect it is not human to err it is fallen human to err and that's what we are now on this side of the fall yes but the work of the holy spirit through his prophets and apostles overcomes that sin and brings to us through their own characters and through their own minds and hearts and hands a very word of the lord so that we can confidently assert that the words that we have are from our God to bring us the promises of God in Jesus Christ. I would say two more things about that. First of all, we talk about that specifically in terms of the actual events of the autographs of those texts, which, of course, we don't have anymore, or at least of all the texts that we have, We couldn't say for sure that any one of them is that particular one. But we also know that through God's grace, mercy, and preservation, any scripture that you put your hands on, whether it be an English Standard Version or a King James Version or a New International Version or a New American Standard Version or one of the other ones, the Lord God is speaking to you through those words. He's done that in generation after generation after generation, whether it was Greek or Latin or German. (laughs) Here we are, Johnny come lately is in English. You Imagine that none of those Christians before the 14-1500s, when the first English texts were put together, had the word of the Lord. Of course they did. And so they brought it into the realm so that people could read it at home and they could know it and and cling to it and have it rest securely in their minds and hearts. And so we as well, we use the text, we use the English standard version simply because it's the one that we have for our lectionary here in the the scriptures and you've got to pick one. You can't pick them all, I guess, that just causes confusion. But at the same time, it's not as though there's only one to use. It's fun, it's actually good fun to compare readings of various texts so that you can get the widest range of possible meaning. And they also recognize that as those words on the page are set in order, what is their goal? Their goal is to bring you Jesus, that very same babe in the manger that very same crucified and risen Savior. Their goal is to bring you the promises of God so that you can not only just know and see those words on the page, but that through those very words, the Holy Spirit is working to strengthen and instill in you new aspects of what your faith means so that you can see it grow and and enliven and be Trusting and knowing that the Lord God who made heaven and earth has you, you, in the palm of his hands as well. And that through these words, he's going to carry you just like on eagle's wings all the way across the finish line, regardless of how difficult that road may be, how long the marathon may need to be run. We don't have any expiration date yet declared to us, either for our own lives or for the cosmos. And so we keep one eye securely on heaven to see Christ clearly. And we keep one eye clearly on where we are and what we're doing so that the gifts of Christian education and the gifts of worship and the gifts of service that we bring to the world can be authentically witnessing the very work of our Lord in our midst, so that the generation in which we live has a clear witness of what God has done, what he is doing, and what he intends to do to gather for himself his people. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen.